Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. So, I don't know about you, but I cannot believe that school is about to start. I thought we were still in the middle of summer. Um, Seriously, I thought we had like three weeks of summer left. And just yesterday, I realized that we have less than a week. So um, yeah, I'm going to keep this intro short because um, there's a lot to wrap my head around before uh, school starts. And I really wanted to get this episode out before everybody goes back to school. So I recorded this in the middle of the summer and when school seemed really far away, but um, I just want to make sure that this gets to you because many of us will be doing distance learning, uh, or as we call it around our house, home cruel. Um, and that's what my husband used to call it when I would homeschool um, our oldest daughter. We called it home cruel as a little endearment, and most days it wasn't actually like that, but there were some days where it felt like that, and I know that going into this new year, um, trying to work from home and trying to teach kids and being so unsure about what is going to be happening and how it's all going to play out. And especially for parents who know that their children really need the support of being in school and perhaps can't get there or the school's not even open. So there's just, I know there's a lot going on. So I hope everyone can figure out how to navigate this as smoothly as possible. And yeah, we're all going to get through this somehow, some way together, hopefully. Uh, Side note, if you didn't listen to Michelle Obama's speech at the Democratic National Convention, I recommend it. It's the only speech that I actually watched of that, but she is a very inspiring woman, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or liberal or, you know, whatever label you claim. Um, I think it was a really empowering, heartfelt and inspiring speech and hopefully uh, can steer us all in the direction of, you know, coming back together. That was absolutely a tangent and I hope that was all right. (laughs) So I'm going to get back to the introduction For this episode, I interviewed Allison Dillard. She is a math professor at Irvine Valley College, and she is also an author of two books. She wrote Crush Math Now, High Impact Strategies for Students Who Struggle with Math, and she also wrote Raise Your Math Grade, The Least You Need to Know series. And she also has a, a membership thing that you can sign up and get weekly math tips 
and you can join a private Facebook group and she does uh, Facebook lives. We actually did this interview over Facebook live. So uh, there is a video out there. If you want to check her out on Facebook, you can find it. I have it. I thought about putting it on YouTube, but um, I'm not a huge fan of the video (laughs) in general. Um, But yeah, it was a great talk and I definitely got some very helpful hints, um, not hints, tips. And yeah, so we talk about how to raise a math person, how to eliminate negative statements. We talk about math anxiety, what it is and how to combat it. We talk about common core. I lament over it and she explains to me why uh, teachers like it. (laughs) And, you know, she, um, she talked about how to motivate kids to do math, how to help with learning differences and when it is time to get a tutor and how to find a good one. So there's just a lot of really good information and tips in here for parents who have to, uh, well, for any parents really, like whether you're the teacher at home or not, you know, kids, it's easy for kids to struggle with math and need help outside of the classroom. So I think this is a really valuable conversation for any parents. It certainly was for me. And I hope you feel the same. And I'm going to cut it off right there before I go off on another tangent. And I'll just say, check out uh, my website if you'd like, andfricky.com. I have a bookstore there and you can find the writing journal. There's joy to be found here. And that's a writing journal for parents of children with special needs. And leave a review, tell a friend, read the podcast, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. Um, I just hope that you all have a smooth transition into the school year and that your children get the help that they need and deserve in whatever capacity that is for them and for your family as well. And if anybody has a story they'd like to share, send me an email and get in touch and come on the podcast and share your story. That would be great. You can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. And okay, now I'm seriously going to leave it there. None of this was written down. This is why I write my script. Okay, y'all have a good day and a smooth transition in the school year. And we'll talk again soon. Yeah, so I am here with Allison Dillard. She is math professor at Irvine Valley College. Hi, Allison. Hi. I'm really excited to talk to you today, especially about math. Math is one of those really elusive areas for me, and I know a lot of other people, and I'm always really interested to talk to people who are passionate about it, because I think it's it's so interesting, because it's so foreign to me. So Um, And I think it's great that you're on here now in this time when many of us are going to, well, we've spent a few months teaching our children, and it looks like in the fall uh, that we will be doing that some more. Um, But so, so I'm just really excited to talk to you. But first, let's, let's, if you could introduce yourself and kind of place yourself in this, in this world of math professorship and, and authorship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So like you said, I'm a math professor at Irvine Valley College. Um, I'm also the author of two books, um, Crush Math Now and Raise Your Math Grade. And they're both books that sort of help high school and college students figure out how to succeed in math. Um, there's, there's no math actually in them. It's all, it's all of the, you know, motivation and discipline and study, study skills, stuff like that, that kind of 
underlies success in math. Um, this summer, I'm also launching a new program called Raise a Math Person, where I actually provide support to parents who are really overwhelmed with school and math, and especially like you said right now, with parents being thrown into having to be the teacher, primary support for their kids in math. It's just, um, it's just a new level of stress that a lot of us haven't faced before. So um, that, that's available. Um, you can find out more about that at allisonlovesmath.com. Um, but, you know, part of what I think, you know, I can hopefully um, offer some advice from or, or some guidance with, um, a lot of that actually stems from over like 20 years of experience tutoring students in math. So between that and the teaching, you know, over the years I've helped a lot of students, you know, with like um, dyslexia and ADHD and, you know, visual impairment, short-term memory loss, you know, all, all sorts of things um, and figure out sort of how to overcome those challenges to succeed in their math classes. So and my experiences over the years have been extremely random, um, but they've also been extremely positive. So, so my hope is that hopefully I'll have a few helpful tidbits in there. Yeah, no, I think that's gonna be great. And I love the, even just the name of that program, How to Raise a Math Person, because I realized I just spent this whole introduction saying that I wasn't a math person. <laughs> Don't do math. So, so yeah, and especially because I'm raising three girls. And um, so, I feel like whenever they do do math, I want I want to kind of help motivate them because I know that culturally we don't really necessarily support girls being into math or at least they you know I grew up in the Midwest in the eighties and nineties it wasn't really a thing. Um, <laughs> right, right. Oh, definitely. So yeah. So how how can you inspire kids to be math people? Like, or, or, I mean, that's yeah, a huge I, question. I think like I think that the simplest thing or the, the easiest thing for moms to do with their kids as they're studying um, is to run, maybe it goes back to this idea of being a math person, right? It's just to remind them that it's not, um, it's not something that, like you inherit or something that you naturally are. Um, it's not like magic. Some people have it and some people don't. It's actually, math is just a skill, right? Just sort of like learning how to play the piano or learning how to play soccer. Um, and so I think a lot of times if you can just remind them that it actually it is just a skill and you do improve with practice um that actually goes a long ways to to raising a math person like um, right because the students who struggle with math a lot a lot of times you know they think like oh she's just she's just a math person i'm just not a math person i'm just bad at math um and, and the problem with that thinking right is that it it allows students to, to not even try because they think, well, what's the point of trying if I just, I'm not a math person. So just remind them that it's, mm. that it's a skill. Don't, you know, put it up on a pedestal. That is so true. God, we really do do that. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the times that I've just, yeah, even myself, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm not a math person. You do this. And uh, yeah, it just, it really is like this persona that um does seem yeah. in a way magical and <laughs> either right. bored with it or you're not and you don't have to go and tell your kids oh I'm great at math if you feel like you're not but I think just just eliminating the negative statements right mm -hmm. goes actually a long a long way yeah oh all right wow <laughs> I'm just like flashing back to all of those those um math lessons at home over the last few months <laughs> one of the but I did I I did keep telling, especially my youngest daughter, who she used to seem like she was really into math. And then I don't know, she got into first grade and it was too hard or something. <laughs> she started to. And uh, so I kept, you know, having to tell her, no, you love math, remember? Um, 
So, so can we talk, start with uh, math anxiety? Cause you mentioned that um, in the details of one of your books. So can we talk about what math anxiety is? Absolutely. So, you know, math anxiety is super common, right? With students who um, feel like they're bad at math. And I feel like that sometimes starts a vicious cycle of they think they're bad at math and then they don't keep up with their homework or, you know, they give up easily on those harder questions. They don't sort of power through. And then if you're not getting through your homework, that's just like the bare minimum, right? For preparing for exams. And then you get to exams and um, yeah, I guess whether homework is, is done or not, it's just, it's extreme nervousness, right? It's, it's sort of a panicking feeling. Um, you know, I've had students go so far as to like, feel like they're going to throw up, you know, or think that they're having a heart attack, you know, in classes, as in the exams out. Um, there's, there's a huge range, right, of what math anxiety is, you know, on one end, it's just you're very nervous, and then that nervousness just sort of psychs you out, and then you sort of blank out on stuff. And then on the opposite end, there's, you know, a full on having panic attacks where you can't actually take the test. Um, and so I guess some suggestions for math anxiety um, are, you know, number one is just to realize, you know, I guess if you're a parent, maybe it's your kid who has math anxiety instead, um, but it's just to realize that they're not alone. I feel like it's really, really common, um, but it's something that, that kids don't talk about a lot. And I think just maybe that, that the term anxiety, um, sort of like, maybe like depression, it's something that sometimes people are afraid to talk about it's embarrassing or something like that. Um, but it's actually, it's way more common than I think, you know, parents or students realize. Um, and talking about it helps, you know, so whether you talk to your teacher about it or talk to your parent about it, your parent child talk about it, um, you know, or somebody else who can just be supportive and make you feel better and help you find a way to work through it. That's a huge first step. And I think there's also, you know, other tips that you can have, um, for studying for math anxiety. Um, and the, the most important one, I think, which is just a general study tip in general, is to take practice tests when you study. So often students just review their notes and they review their homework when they're preparing for their math test, when in fact, there's a huge, there's a huge jump, right? Between knowing how to do something in your homework where you, know, you have your book and your notes and, and mom and dad and Google and all of these cool apps that just do your homework for you now, right? There's a huge jump between understanding something there where you're reading through it or learning it more passively to being able to do it on a test where it's like you and the problem and the piece of paper and nothing else. So taking practice tests can help a lot because then you're not in that situation for the first time on the actual test. You've been through it a couple of times before. Mm -hmm. um, one of, and is one of those things where I feel like I, I tell students that a lot and I tell parents that a lot and everyone goes, oh yeah, yeah, we know we should do that. And then they just don't because it just, it sort of sucks. You know, it's just like, it's boring to go through and do a practice <laughs> test. It's a little more like work than actually just reviewing. Um, but I think the thing that I tell students, which sort of, helps it to make more sense or drive the point home, which you can always share with your kid if you're trying to make them do a practice test, um, is that is this question of how would you prepare for a swim meet? If you were preparing for a swim meet, would you just read about swimming and maybe watch some YouTube videos on swimming, you know, and just like in your pajamas while you're at home? And you think that like the more that you read about it, the more you're gonna be prepared for your swim meet? but it doesn't actually work like that, right? Because there's no way that you're gonna show prepared to your swim meet unless you actually jump in the water at some point and swim. There's only so much that you can do just by reading about it 
All right, so the same thing goes for math tests. I know it's not as exciting, but if you've got to put yourself in the math test situation before you're actually in it to show up prepared for it. Nice. That's kind of my number one piece of advice there. Yeah, I like that. That's a good analogy. Um, yeah, you never, you never really think about that because that is a boring side. I wonder, I mean, are, are all of these apps and, and, and things like that, are they making it harder for us to learn math in a way? Like, um, are they, you know, kind of not building a strong foundation? You know, I think, I think it's making it a lot easier for students to do their homework. Um, and there are some benefits to the apps, right? You can plug in an equation and it does, you know, they don't just give you the answers now. They give you all of the steps, right? Um, and so I think that can be really helpful, helpful for students when they're struggling because sometimes learning from those steps enables them to actually learn it and then they can go on and do the next problem. But I think it's also really easy to use that as a crutch or a way to save time and get through the homework really fast and not actually understand any of it. Um, so as a parent, I think if you're, if you're finding that all of a sudden, you know, in this last year when all these apps have gained such popularity, if you're finding that your child is just sprinting through their math homework, but for some reason, despite doing really well in their math homework, they're really bombing their tests, maybe check and see if they're sort of utilizing these apps for their homework and, you know, maybe make it a point to encourage them not to use it for their homework because that's where that, that larger gap now is coming from between the homework and the test. Right. Yeah. Or at least find, yeah, find that balance of like the same amount of time on the app as a, you know, as you spend on paper or, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I know my, cause once we went to virtual teaching or whatever it was, um, my kids go to Waldorf school, so there wasn't too much online, but they did try the Khan Academy okay. and which I thought was actually, it was great for my youngest daughter but my daughter who has special needs, like even just the fine motor skills of, of moving around the computer was very, I had to sit there with her for each one and, and work it. And um, I just, I don't know that she was getting much out of it. You know, she's still very much in that, like, well, she's a number line, but also we were, you know, had beans and we were using beans and the manipulatives. So, but that kind of brings me to this question about focus. Where should we have our focus? Because I know there's a lot of emphasis on like math games and making math fun. Um, so do we put our focus on like coming up with more math games to play with them? Or is it, should we put more emphasis on actually understanding what it is so that then it does become fun? Or is it really crucial to have those games to get them to understand like, I don't, I'm not sure if this question makes sense, but no, it totally does. And um, <laughs> my answer for, for probably isn't all that helpful, but it's whatever is the most helpful for your kid, right? Um, I think that there are, there are some kids who learn a lot better through these different games, right? And especially if we have kids who just, you know, if the computer is really frustrating, and you know, honestly, I'm I'm going to have a kindergartner in school this fall, and trying to have a kindergartner learn online just <laughs> oh my gosh you know um you know so I, I understand not I the idea of you know learning math online not being helpful right for certain students you know whether it's just age or, or how you know comfortable or able they are to use a computer you know so I, I think just try to focus on what what works and I, I know in the fall part of the challenge is going to be that we're going to have certain you know assignments that are going to be due online you know for 
for some, depending on what school you're at or what your school is doing. Um, but outside of that, outside of, you know, the stuff that you have to do or are required to do online, try to focus on what works best. You know, so if the games are what's working for your daughter, just lean into that and do that as much as you can because she'll, she'll get, she'll start to understand it more. And those foundations can be developed through those games, right? And that number sense can be developed through those games. Um, and then later on, when she comes back and does maybe more of the, um, the worksheets, right? With more of the, the memorization and you're just sort of doing the drills, all that'll be easier because she's had all of this practice with the games. Okay. So maybe just don't, don't stress too much about it, but just think about what do you see that's, that's working and just kind of lean into that. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, one of the things was I got to learn really what Common Core math was about, which I'd always heard, you know, like, oh, Common Core math, and I didn't, I didn't get it. And I will say that I had some moments that these were not, um, you know, prime mom moments, but trying to work with my, my youngest when, you know, they had the common, or the, you know, it was like, I remember the one equation, um, it was like six plus seven. And, you know, when I was growing up, just you just had to learn six plus seven is 13. And, uh, but this was like the way they broke it down. It was like into three steps. You got to make, you know, fill up to 10 and then use the extra. And I was just like, I was so frustrated because I just didn't understand why, like, why do I have to, why do we have to do it this way? And then I have found actually, like when we're playing board games and stuff, or, you know, that actually now that I've learn that and focus on that I realize that I think that that is actually how I count like there is that adding up to 10 and um and it's so what, how do you feel about common core math I'm still I'm on the edge so, so there's two sides to it one one is that you know I, I've talked with so many parents you know who are extremely frustrated with common core so I I, I, I see um, the frustration on the parent side because we learned math in a different way and especially if you um, don't like math as a parent, right? Then you've got a challenge of now you've got to teach now your kids learning in a different way. And now we're moving online. Now we've got to be the one to teach. It's like multiple layers of like stress now that <laughs> comes with math. Um, but I will say that on the teacher side of math, because I teach math at a community college. And so and I've taught several classes where it's, you know, remedial math. I've taught a class called pre-algebra, um, which is, the level of math before high school algebra one. So students who come into college and they really weren't able to place into high school algebra one, they actually needed those foundations from elementary school strengthened before they could do that. So who come into college at that point. And I think, you know, what I saw and what a lot of educators I think saw, which is why Common Core came about, is that for some students, they weren't picking up that number sense, like you were saying, at some point you realized that's actually what you were doing with the different like, you know, blocks and tens and hundreds was actually what you were doing already. But there were a lot of students who never made that connection with the old way of learning things. And so I think what they're doing with Common Core is trying to fill in that gap for the students who weren't able to make that connection before. Um, and then on the other side too, I see there's a lot more emphasis on word problems in Common Core. And again, I think the reason for that, as a teacher, we see we were seeing students come into college not being able to answer these really simple word problems, right? Which, and as much as I know for parents, word problems really suck. They're like the crappy part of homework. Um, that is actually the math that's in real life. You know, we we might not actually care about how many like bushels of 
you know, some, the, the word problems that we get <laughs> tend to be so, so random and we're not actually in the moment with that situation. So we don't really care about it, but that, that is actually the math that we use in real life. Um, and so there is a stronger emphasis on that. So that way students can see that relationship between math that they're learning in school and math that they'll actually use in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I was one of those kids, actually, I, when I started college, I had to take a math placement test and they put me in math 097. I didn't even get a credit for it. <laughs> for this pre-algebra class, it was one of those, yeah. like, it wasn't for college credit. It was just to get you to the <laughs> point where you take yeah. I remember one day the teacher was showing us something. She was like, you might remember this from the fourth grade. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what am I doing here? So how are, do you have some tips for motivating kids to do math? Like if they're just even from the start, like, I don't want to do this. I think, um, well, in elementary school, it helps to make it easy, not easier. It helps to make it more fun, right? So especially if, you know, if there's games, um, if you can just be enthusiastic about it, um, you know, and, and not tell them that they're bad at math, especially all that sort right. of stuff, elementary school age. Um, I think when you get to high school, though, there is a little bit of a transition where it really helps kids to understand why they need math. Um, and, and there's a couple of different levels to that, right? If they need math in order to maybe get into the college that they want because it's a requirement. That's sort of one level. And so, so for that, it does help if your child has um, specific goals, like maybe they want to major in something or have a specific career or get into a specific college. Having sort of concrete goals there definitely helps with motivation for math because now there's a purpose to like succeeding in this class, right? It's a step towards a longer goal. Um, but then also, I think just talking to them about, you know, math is, it's the foundation for everything that has to do with building wealth, right? For, for understanding like student debt and credit card debt and getting out of debt or staying out of debt and getting out of debt. Um, and then everything to do with like investing in and ultimately building wealth and, and having financial security and stuff like that. Um, and that, that might not be relevant to kids who are younger, but at some point in high school, you know, that is something that um, becomes important, you know, or, or starting to think about the future in that sense. And even if it's something as, as little as like, you know, they want to, you know, buy a car, right? Or, you know, they're thinking about college and they are going to have to take out student loans, stuff for that. Um, you know, math is really the foundation for everything with, with building wealth and solving complex problems and stuff like that. And the more that you can just sort of emphasize that to them, right? That it that it is more than just a, a academic requirement, especially if they're like it's just a stupid academic requirement. Um, and, and help them to see that that there's so much beyond that. That can help a lot for motivation too. Okay. Yeah. So really, kind of apply it to their life, like with the you know with the story problems or with so any kind of opportunity in life to really point out how we use math. Because I feel like you know we've all heard somebody say that like oh I. I never, I've never used algebra since I got out of high school, or at least I, you know, I've heard people say that, like, why do I have to learn that? I've never used it, but we probably use it a lot more than we, than we realize, but because it's not necessarily in the format that we remember learning it, I guess. Right. Um, oh, and actually, sorry, two other things yeah. came to mind in terms of motivation. Um, one is um, changing who your child studies math with. Right, because, you know, if, their, if their friends are also kids who just hate math and they think that it's stupid and they also don't do their homework, um, then of course 
your child is gonna sort of just pick up on their um, perspective and their habits, right? Um, you know, so a lot of times just, you know, maybe think about, you know, who's in your support system for math, right? You know, what are maybe friends that they could study with? And I know that might be hard now, but on Zoom, right? You can always just set up little study dates on Zoom. Um, and maybe it's not even necessarily a friend, right? Maybe it's, you know, auntie or grandpa or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a family friend who's a teacher, right? But if there's just somebody who, um, who's more positive about math, right? And just sort of has that, um, that attitude of like, of course you can figure it out, right? And just, mm -hmm. you know, there's no, there's no way that you're getting away with not getting through this and not succeeding in this. If someone just who has that mentality, that's going to rub off um, you know, on your kid and they'll eventually pick up on, on that perspective and those habits. Nice. So, yeah. I like that one. And you said you had one more? I know. I just said I had one more and then I <laughs> linked out on it. We'll come back to it. I'm sure I'll, okay. I'll remember. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I did. I mean, my oldest is uh, almost 16 and she does well in math. So I definitely enlisted her help a few times, especially when we got to the Common Core and I was just like, Haven, can you teach this? Because I don't <laughs> It gets making me frustrated. <laughs> so in hindsight, I realized I should have kept my feelings about it to myself. But um, no, so. and you know what? Because there's so many, <laughs> there's so many parents who don't like math, and and I think it's really common to like, because in a way, it's just like it's like you're being sympathetic with kids when they say that they're they're bad at math and they can't do do math, and you say it's okay, I'm bad at math too. Like all all of those sort of conversations, they're really common because I think that's that's sort of our our natural reaction right is to, to sympathize with our kids and and there's nothing wrong with that right but I think um you know so so if, if you're one of those parents that has been saying don't worry I'm bad at math too or it's okay if you're bad at math don't beat yourself up over it at all you know that's just just change what you're doing going forward you know it's it's an easy just sort of switch in language you can still sympathize with them and support them you know without saying those things but don't beat yourself up over before. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so one of the struggles that we have, and I'm not sure if you can speak to this, but um, is sometimes this slow processing. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you have experience working with kids who have um, that kind of slow processing and, you know, and, and also Freya has, is still struggling with number sense, even just like grasping the like what the number is and right. so it's kind of it's it's almost humorous in a way because you'll be like Freya what's what's you know seven plus two and she'll say uh eight five but and she just starts throwing numbers out there and um so yeah anyway I the question in there is like do you have experience with those kind of specific things and, and tips? right you know I think let me speak to that from an older student standpoint. Okay. I think that I have a little bit more experience with that. I think from teaching, I've had a number of students um, you know, who've gotten to, to college math um, and find themselves in that situation. And I think you know, usually this, this ends up being one of those situations where we start up the semester and I know for some reason students are, they're always shy about reaching out for help. So unfortunately it often takes, you know, failing the first exam and us having to sit down and have a conversation, you know, and then I realize sometimes that students have failed, you know, this math class like multiple times before, and they've just, for some reason, they've never been able to figure out um, 
how to get through it, right? And a lot of times this does come from, you know, what you were talking about, maybe just, um, you know, processing the information differently, you know, than I think, than the way that we expect when we're teaching math, right? And so, you know, obviously like when we're teaching math, it's taught in a very cookie cutter way, right? Just sort of for like the average student. Um, and so no matter what the student is or what their struggle is, you know, always keep in mind that um, if, if math isn't being taught in a way that works best for you, right? It's really, it's up to you, the, the student and the parent to figure out how they learn best and then to make sure that they're learning that way, you know? So I think, you know, I've had a couple of students who, um, I think, you know, they actually had um, short-term memory. Like um, I had one student like a, um, was in an accident. I had short-term memory loss, right? Um, and so really just had a lot of struggle, you know, taking the, the information that he was learning in class and then just committing it to his long-term memory, you know? And so one of the things that we realized was that the homework assignments that we had, you know, were, were really long, right? We, we cover one section and then we've got this big, long 30 question assignment on it. And then the next day we move on to something else. It's a new topic. It's a new 30 questions. Um, but what we found was that he didn't remember any of it you know, from the one lesson and the one homework assignment. And so after that first test where he failed, we just sort of started mixing it up and we said, all right, well, if that's not working, let's try maybe moving the homework deadline. And what happens if you break up that homework assignment over like five days instead of just trying to do it all in one day, you know, and for him, it, it turned out that doing a little bit of repeated practice every single day. And in all honesty, he also needed to do way more than just the one homework assignment, right? So we ended up doubling on a couple of times, like tripling the actual number of homework problems that he needed. But by changing sort of like the frequency that he was doing, that he was learning, um, and the number of problems that he was doing, and sometimes the type of problem, right? Sometimes with students, there's like a certain type of problem is harder for them than others. And so just not to sort of apply things generally, right? But to really keep an eye out on what the specific problems are and focus on you know doing extra of that or studying that differently um that helped and that actually made a huge a huge difference for him and he ended up just doing a little bit of that practice every single day up until the next test because um any sort of stop in the practice sort of ended up he just ended up sort of losing all of that work that, that he had done before um yeah. and i don't know i guess the thing that i would say generally that hopefully could be helpful um, is that, you know, if everybody learned math the way that the student did, for example, if everybody learned that way, then the way that we teach math would just be, would be different, right? We would teach math in, in these little bite-sized chunks and every single person would have little homework assignments, you know, every single day. Um, and so he just learns he learned math differently than the rest of the class did, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just different, you know, but because the class wasn't taught that way, you just have to do that sort of like extra work up front to figure out what works best for you and then make sure you're incorporating that into your learning. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. No, no, that was great. That was great. And, um, and I think I, I kind of saw that with Freya, like when we started, to do the the math at home um she had you know the workbook that came from her class that she is in uh, she's mainstreamed in 
uh, a general education class and then she gets uh, pulled out with a resource teacher to do some extra work. So I had two different math books and they were very different. And we sat down to do the one from her class, her general ed class, and it was like three digit subtraction. And I, we went through one page and I realized that I was basically just doing the work. And so I was like, okay, we're, we're done with it. <laughs> like, we're not doing this. And when I talked to her teacher, she was like, yeah, sorry. I was just, in a, you know, that's not the math that she's doing right now. And so I just took that frustration out and then we went back and we went back to basics of just the, you know, like I said, using the beans and, and working on that number sense. And it was, a, I mean, I saw the moment that, that it clicked for her that if you add, you know, like two plus three is five and then five minus three is two, like when she was able to do those number families without using the beans, like it finally clicked. It was such, it was like this beautiful moment. We were both so excited. We were like, yay, but it had taken like doing it over and over again. And so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's important to remember. And I think that's, you know, it, I would say even for people without short-term memory loss, like if you learn something in math, it's, I feel like you have to keep doing it at first for a lot of people, I think. So maybe some people just get it, but. Right. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, I think <laughs> what you did there was so good, right? Because you realized that her learning the math with the beans was what was working, right? And so you kept at it with that. If you hadn't done that, if you just said, oh no, she's got to do the worksheets the way that it's supposed to be done in class, she might not have actually ever gotten there, right? So I think yeah. really the key there is for you to be on the lookout for what's working, right? So just you're trying lots of different things, try learning different ways, different methods, different tools or games, and just be on the lookout for what's working. Don't beat yourself up over the stuff that's not, but, you know, finding that one thing, right? Yeah. That can make all yeah. Well, the, the 10 frame actually worked a lot to have like the physical 10 frame. And it even helped me when we, when I was trying to figure out what they were doing with the common core math. And then we had, so, so we were, you know, all learning together with the 10, two 10 frames and the beans and anyway. Yeah. So, so I'm a fan of manipulatives. Um, so, so how, so how do parents, what are the signs that perhaps a kid needs a math tutor? Like how, when is it time to, to get outside help, to get extra help? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think the signs, maybe when it just gets really stressful and time consuming for the parent and they want somebody to help, you know, um, I think, yeah, it, tutors can be really helpful for catching up, right? Especially, you know, sometimes we just, <clears throat> we just fall behind you for whatever the reasons are, right? And so I think um, if your child needs, has, just has a lot of catching up to do, um, you know, you don't want that catching up to take hours upon hours every single day. Like we, we want our children to be successful in math, but we don't want it to eat up their entire lives. Um, and sometimes working with a tutor can just expedite that whole process of catching up. Um, and then other times, you know, if you're just looking within your own support system, right? And maybe maybe you don't have, you know, an auntie or a grandpa or somebody who can help your child with math and you're just you're just overwhelmed doing it, right? And I know, you know, for as a parent, it's just it's so easy to get burned out. You know, you're just you're exhausted. You're just not maybe in the that positive place to like be the person who's helping them through all of this. And if you're just at a point where you're like, I just I don't want to 
you know, then a tutor is a great person to step in and help with that. And, you know, what I, I would recommend doing though is when you're hiring a tutor though, is do make sure that you're, um, you know, you want somebody who's strong in math and who can teach them the math, right? Or whatever that level of math is, right? Somebody who's an awesome calculus tutor is not gonna be good at teaching somebody addition, right? Okay. Um, but either way, you also want somebody who's gonna encourage your child, right? And, um, and, and remind them, right? That math is a skill and you just need to improve with practice and all of that other stuff that you, that you want to, to teach them along with the actual math concepts. So I think um, when you need someone like that to step in and it's just easier to, to hire that out, you know, so yeah, stress, I guess. Yeah. Is a good tutor. <laughs> Current stress. And where's a good place to find math tutors? Like through the school or maybe I know that, I mean, like here we have a university and um, I know some parents have found tutors through there, but maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. is there a good way to go, a good place to find math tutors? Or? Um, let's see. Well, at my school, we have a tutoring center, um, a math center where there are student tutors. So I think if you, if your child is in college and possibly even in high school, there might be a tutoring center um, that provides free tutoring for you. And that's, that's always oh, nice. You find it for free, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and I know at least at, at our school, what I, I love about it is really they sort of, they handpick those students, right? They're, those are the students who, of all of the math students, the teachers recommend them because they're, they're the strongest, they've got the strong foundations. Um, and then they're also the ones that are really good at explaining stuff. So that's a great place to start. Um, if you don't have something like that, you know, tend to, you know, ask for recommendations from friends because if you have a child, a friend whose kid is in your class or maybe struggles with the same sort of um, learning disability that your child does and they know someone who's good at helping students with that, that's obviously a great way to go. Um, people are always welcome to reach out to me for referrals because I probably know tutors in most any sort of area at this point just over the years, you know? Um, nice. And I don't know, I'm trying to think. Yelp has good reviews, a good review system, which I like, um, that I think can help you to find sort of independent tutors, um, you know, rather if you're not going with one of the, the really big like test prep companies. Um, I think those can be sort of harder because they don't always have an individual rating system for individual tutors. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so do you have any um, like tips or strategies that we haven't covered that you wanted to put out there for parents who are now math teachers? Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. I guess, um, you know, maybe sort of just a sort of a quick overview. And, and it's what I cover with parents in my Raise a Math Person membership that I'm launching this summer. Um, and it's really that there's, there's sort of five big things that you want to focus on when you're helping your child with math, all right? Um, so the number one thing is, is always thinking about like, what's their number one obstacle to success, right? And whatever that one thing is, just tackle it head on. Don't try to like work around it. Just go at it, figure out what are like every possible solution that could possibly be a solution to your problem and just try them all out looking for a solution, but really just tackle it head on. Um, the second thing is to work on strengthening your child's math foundations. That is the one that I think everybody skips, but is the key to long-term success in math. Um, and you can do that by looking at their tests, seeing what they missed and whatever those little skills are, whatever that mistake 
came from, that's the skill that they're, they're lacking. And it's very easy to chalk those things up to careless errors, um, but usually careless errors are just weak math foundations in disguise. Okay. Um, number three is to um, work on strengthening their study skills and their test-taking skills. And we talked about doing the practice test. That's a key there. Um, let's see, number four is strengthening their grit, right? And that really goes back to what we were talking about with motivation, right? I think math is a great way to teach your kids grit because it is hard. It can be boring, right? But if they can get through math and succeed in it, really they can succeed in anything because all that it takes to succeed in math, they can apply that anywhere, right? So um, really focusing on the, the motivation, the discipline, the grit. Um, and then last but not least, the fifth thing is to sort of iterate and optimize what you're doing. You, you can't really just like snap your fingers and say, oh, great, she's going to get an A in math tomorrow. It's sort of, it's a process, right? It's unfortunately success in math, it's, it's more of a marathon, right, than a sprint. And so just taking that time, you know, you like you've got the, the journal that you were talking about, right? And it's good to just take some time to reflect on what you're doing. And the same thing goes for math. If you reflect on what's working and what's not, you know, keep what's working, change what isn't, you know, what's a problem that I fixed? Cool. What's a problem that's still standing in our way of success and tackle that head on. Um, so, so those are really the five things, tackling your number one obstacle, strengthening math foundations, strengthening study and test taking skills, strengthening grit, and then reflecting and optimizing. So just sort of follow that five step process um, and you'll gradually, you know, make progress towards success in math and also math being less stressful and less time consuming for you as a parent. Nice. And for people that are interested in learning more and really diving into your, your, is it a, it's a course, right? Like kind of a, it's a, um, it's a membership just with okay. sort of um, weekly math tips for parents. And then also sort of a private uh, members only Facebook group where they can ask questions and then I'll come in on Facebook lives and answer all of those specific questions for like their specific situations. Um, so you can find out more about that at allisonlovesmath.com. Yeah, great. Well, Allison, thank you so much. This is very helpful. And um, I'm really happy to uh, have talked with you about this and feel a little more confident now going into the fall when it comes to, uh, <laughs> to teach math. Awesome. I'm going to be a math person too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. It's always, it's always fun to talk with people about math and, and help them out. So.